0: KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another evening, where we will continue our reflections into Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth. This evening, we are going to read 2nd Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 to 7, and I am going to take this opportunity uh, to talk about holy friendships, with a special emphasis on two particular gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of understanding and the gift of counsel. Now, I've talked about the spiritual work of mercy, counseling the doubtful before, so I'm going to take some of that subject matter and talk about that again, and really emphasize the importance of that work of mercy with friendship, and then just more generally, what it means to be a holy friend. You know, I'm doing this because St. Paul here gets excited about the news regarding Titus. It is so easy for us to forget (laughs) That St. Paul was a human being who needed friends like everyone else needed friends, right? So as we reflect into these epistles, as we reflect into the wisdom of St. Paul, sometimes there are things that emerge that just get your attention. And as I was reading these verses, I just got a sense that uh, as there was joy over the Corinthians' repentance and zeal well, part of that zeal was because of his good friend Titus, the news that he heard about Titus. You know, we know of his good friend Timothy. We know about his other friends that we read in the book of Acts, and it's just good to be reminded from time to time about the importance of just not friendship, but holy friendship, right? And so this evening we are going to talk about holy friendship, and hopefully by the grace of God, by the end of this evening, we will have a better understanding of how we can be a better friend. My dear friends, this is one of those programs that I really, really do want to hear back from you. If you have any insights uh, for me as to what you think might be uh, a holy friend, out from your own experience, please send those emails my way. You know my email is jholljmj at yahoo.com, or you can also go to my website at joholcraft.org dot org. Just hit the contact link button there and send your message observation on its way. I really do uh, enjoy hearing from you. So, in principle, holy friendships is going to be our subject matter tonight. But before we get into that, I did want to respond to a question. And the question was this, how do you find God in all those little things that you talk about, Joe? <laughs> and there's so much that could be said to that question, but for now, what I want to say is pray more. And for all of you out there who might have that question, how might I better see God, understand God in the ordinary, in the everyday life? Brothers and sisters, pray more. Hey, just do it. Sometimes we can read about it. Sometimes we can talk about it. Sometimes we can reflect upon it. But if we are not actually doing it, then how good will we be at anything? Right, right now, I am teaching my youngest daughter how to ride a bike. <laughs> and so we were talking about it, but really, in the end, I just need to get her on that bike. And will she fall? Yes. Will she make mistakes? Yes. But the more she does it, what's going to happen? The better she will be, and the quicker she will really learn how to ride a bike. Well, the same could be said of prayer, my friends. Just start praying. Remember, prayer is conversation with God. So just start talking to God like he's your friend. Open up sacred scripture. Begin to read about Jesus. Get to know Jesus. St. Jerome once said that ignorance of scriptures is ignorance of Christ. The more you read scripture, the more you will get to know Jesus Christ as your friend. Staying true to this evening's theme, right? And is this not what Friendship's all about conversation. So converse with God. Listen to God. If we wish to speak better, then listen more, and you will come to understand then better (laughs) how you might find God and all of those little things in life. Certainly, God is waiting to show himself to you, He is knocking on the door of our heart. We just have to open our heart up to him and allow him in. And boy, howdy, does he have some exciting things to show us. Open your heart. Begin to talk to him. Yes, pray those prayers that he taught us to pray. Pray the Our Father. Invoke the presence of God the Father. Pray the scriptures intentionally, and he will begin to show you how to see him, in all of those little things that you do each and every day. Okay. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 5 to 7. For even when we came into Macedonia our bodies had no rest but we were afflicted at every turn fighting without and fear within. But God who comforts the downcast comfort us by the coming of Titus and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. So there you can get a sense of Saint Paul getting excited to see his good friend, his good friend Titus. I don't know about you, but anytime I haven't seen a friend and in quite some time. If I call him a good friend, I get excited when he is coming. Maybe that friend is your brother, whoever that friend is. I think we can get a sense of what St. Paul is talking about here, huh? Because we all get excited when we are about to see someone who we can call friend. So, (laughs) as we set out to reflect with these three verses, we will pay particular attention to the gifts of understanding and counsel. That is to say, the Holy Spirit gifts of understanding and counsel, two of the seven that we find in Isaiah chapter 11. Now, off the top, uh, what is the gift of understanding? Well, the gift of understanding certainly implies an intimate knowledge where we read inwardly, if you will. That supernatural light that allows us to understand what we might not understand through natural light. Our natural reason gives us a glimpse of what is good, but it is the gift of understanding that allows us to see things more clearly. And could we not say there is um, a certain certitude (laughs) that comes with this gift? I mean, consider the road to Emmaus where the disciples at one time could not see Jesus. But as Jesus began to break open scriptures, they found their hearts what? Burning within them. They began to see God with a new understanding, which led to this new certitude. You know, one thing that you will find in many good preachers today is the gift of understanding because their faith is on firm ground. So, in the end, the gift of understanding purifies. In many ways, and strengthens our faith. The more you understand, the greater your conviction grows, does it not? And point of fact, could we not say that our convictions are but an outgrowth of the gift of understanding? Because our convictions come from what? But being convinced, right? (laughs) Being convinced that Jesus Christ really did enter into human history, he really did spend 33 years here on earth, he really did die for our sins. The more time we spend with Jesus Christ, the more time we what? Come to understand these truths and become convinced by them. Why? Because remember what I have said about apologetics. Apologetics isn't just something we defend. The apologia in the Greek is what is defensible. So we are not defending that which is arbitrary, whatever we make something out to be. No, We defend what is defensible, what has been revealed. Remember, what does Jesus say? Not I am a way, a truth, and a life, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. There he is speaking in the imperative, absolute sense. He is the revelation of the sum total of goodness, of the sum total of truth, of the sum total of light. So to study Jesus Christ is to study what is defensible. And we become convinced by this. We become convinced of Jesus Christ the more we understand. And the more we understand by way of the gift of understanding, the more we are convicted to be what? The best possible friend. And best is greater than better when the gift of time really becomes the dominant reality in your friendship. We become someone's best friend when we give our whole attention to that person. And we do so because we are convicted, convinced that as Jesus Christ has revealed what love is all about, this is the love that we are called to share in. A love that has us constantly asking the question, what more can I do for that person I call friend? Well, whatever it is, that you can do. It always starts with the gift of time and being present and being aware of your friends' needs. So the gift of understanding really is quintessential, I think, to any good friendship, insofar as it is that gift that gives us more insight. In many ways, the gift of understanding is akin to wisdom, right? Because if wisdom is a taste for the divine, Well, (laughs) the more you understand about Jesus Christ and his revelation of love and his revelation of the gift of self, the more you will want to taste. Okay, so now how about the gift of counsel? In the gift of counsel, the Holy Spirit in many ways gives you access into another person's heart. Not an access that allows you to judge, because in the end, you cannot judge what you do not see, what is not revealed, what is hidden, but access to feel their plight, to feel their misery. We could say that the gift of counsel allows us to enter more authentically into the misery of another person. Remember what I have said about love and mercy. Love is mercy when it sees another person suffering and seeks to do something about it. And so it is within this context that we can reflect into the spiritual work of mercy counseling the doubtful with particular attention, again, to what it means to be a good friend. The English word counsel comes from the Latin concilium, uh, con, which translates as with and silium as a decision, To counsel means to assist someone in the act of deciding. As such, in many ways, counsel is connected to the virtue of prudence. Prudence is one of my favorite topics. I just love to talk about prudence because it is that carnal virtue which is before us all the time. Prudence is that virtue which directs particular human acts toward a good end. That's the soundbite Thomas Aquinas definition. Now, in modern usage, prudence, and we could say to some extent, by extension, counsel, has often been equated with what? But caution, right? (laughs) Prudence is not caution, but the virtue that sees the best way forward given the goals in mind. Prudence, by its very definition, is about being sagacious, acutely aware of the kind of long-term impact your decision, my decision, has on yourself or myself and the people around you, just not today but also tomorrow. So while it is true that both prudence and counsel would avoid rash decisions until things have been properly considered, sometimes the prudent response to a situation is not always the cautious one. Sometimes the prudent thing to do involves a bold response Have we not been talking about St. Paul's frankness, speaking boldly? Sometimes it's appropriate to simply speak boldly, to live boldly. We are called to be bold Christians. Now, the work of giving counsel does not mean just counseling the skeptic. While a doubtful person may be skeptical of certain truths, yes. The doubt we speak of here is more about bringing a person to making a sound decision. Here again, the Latin might help us. The word doubt comes from the Latin word dubious, meaning uncertain. Interestingly enough, if you were to probe a little more deeply, what you find is something else. What is the Latin, uh, Latin prefix for that word? But duo, two, right? So the Latin word dubium, is a choice between two things, and thus the doubtful are the undecided, those of two minds on a certain matter, or the double-minded. I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday. I I can't remember, but when our Lord is embracing Saint Peter after he has fallen in the water, what does he say? Why did you doubt? What is the Greek there? Why were you double-minded? Why were you side glancing? Why weren't you fixed on me? Doesn't this bring us back to blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God? Katharos, a Greek word that means without mixture, to be one thing, to be single-minded, to be single-hearted. The opposite of a pure heart, to our surprise maybe, is doubt, because the pure heart is about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. To doubt is to be double-minded. Isn't that interesting? So, the best counselor is one that is what? Pure of heart. (laughs) The best friend is one that is what? Pure of heart. So, this spiritual work of mercy is a work that helps the undecided, or again, those of two minds on something, to come to a good and upright decision rooted in the call to holiness and the goal of attaining heaven by God's grace. My dear friends, counseling the doubtful is a work of mercy, and as such, it is where we encounter the poverty in our friend, and consequently, Jesus, right? (laughs) What did he say? You did it unto me. And so it is, as we exercise the gift of counsel with our friends, God uses the very poverty in the person we are counseling to counsel us. Why? Because we meet Jesus in the poverty of other. This is the great paradox of our faith, which of course has as its great sign the corpus on the cross. We could say also that this is indeed a beautiful work of mercy, Because, in the end, it helps us better orient others toward their heavenly goal. And as it helps better orient others toward their heavenly goal, it assists them in choosing the most virtuous and holiest way forward in a difficult or puzzling situation. Now, as I have said in the past, if we are to be equipped to provide this beautiful work of mercy, we must first be what? Docile to the will and mind of God, huh? The capacity to give spiritual counsel grows out of well what did I talk about from the outset? A deep prayer life, the the study of sacred scripture, and certainly we could add the experience of living as a faithful Christian in the world. If you were to go to uh, Titus, speaking of Titus, <laughs> Titus chapter two, verse one and verses seven to eight, St Paul gives some wise counsel to those of us who might be striving to live and accomplish this great spiritual work of mercy so as to be a better friend. He says this, And as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. And so it is, my friends. We ought to regard at the highest level the importance of being counseled and counseling others, that we might become more deeply rooted in the decision to follow Jesus, to leave behind double-minded ways, to leave behind a life of duplicity, so as to decide for what is true, good, and beautiful. Let us remember that this particular gift always begins and ends with the courage to go into the heart of another, into the misery of another. And we can only do so as we ought by the sheer gratuity of God, the sheer giftedness of God. Here I would like for us to pause so as to consider those you might call friend. Do you call them friend because they make you feel good and affirm you in everything that you do, no matter what you do? Or do you call them friend because they are willing to challenge you and at the same time accompany you, accompany you in the many hills and valleys of everyday life? Holy friendships clearly was very important to St. Paul. And they were important to St. Paul because they were important to Jesus Christ himself. I was speaking with someone earlier today, and uh, (laughs) he said to me, you know, Joe, I like the, the topic of friendships because it is such a human subject, and amen to that. In many cases, it doesn't get any more human than what it means to be a friend, right? Because we are giving, turning ourselves over in a way that is most difficult and it challenges us to the core but as it is a human subject it never stops being a divine subject right what do we read in john chapter 15 verses 12 to 17 this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends you are my friends this I command you to love one another. Now, it's interesting. Go back to first verse 14 there. You are my friends if, if you do what I command you. All right, well, what did he just command? (laughs) Love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? He never said enough is enough. No, he said with his very life, enough is isn't enough until it gives everything. You see, that is what it means to be a friend, to give to that person you call friend everything. And who ought this be? Well, whoever God places in your life. But my dear friends, if I can call you my friend, (laughs) I hope that you can call those closest to you your friends, your spouse, your sibling, a parent, an in-law, because God is going to use those closest to you so as to open you up to his goodness. Now, something else here, as we continue to read, verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So part of our friendship is essentially sharing to others what has already been shared with us in the great commission when jesus says go therefore baptize and teach what is he doing he is saying i have called you my friend now i am commissioning you right commission cum missio to be sent with with what not what but who and that who of course is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I'm sending you forth, I'm commissioning you to befriend others so that you might introduce them to me if they haven't already been introduced to me. This is the essence of evangelization, right? To preach and to teach about Jesus Christ, to evangelize and catechize about Jesus Christ, all that he is and all that he has done for us. And moreover, all that he desires to do for us, especially out from that friendship that he longs for. This is what it's about. The best teachers are not always those that have all of this information at their fingertips. No, the best teachers are those who believe in the subject matter that they are teaching. The teachers that that are in love with what they are doing. Well, when we are preaching and teaching about Jesus Christ, and we are in love with Jesus Christ, the most convincing aspect of what we say isn't always necessarily what we say, but how we say it, right? And how we say it with the conviction, right? Here's that word again, conviction, with the conviction that we ought to say it is only going to be what it needs to be out from what? A friendship with Jesus Christ. So in the end, We've been made to reflect upon the importance of friendship because in the end, this is what Jesus desires to call us friend. We go to our friends when, when we need to sort something out in our life. And by the grace of God, hopefully that friend will counsel us. Well, should we not go to Jesus Christ when we are sorting something out in our life? And yes, maybe, hopefully, (laughs) Jesus Christ will put someone in our path that will help us better understand what we are going through so as to draw closer to Him. But mindful, He asks us to go to Him. And as He puts people on our path to be open to what those people have to say to us, that we might better understand His revelation, His revelation of love. Paul writes what he writes because of his conviction. He desires to call all Corinthians friend. This is why he says what he says in the many verses that he writes. He desires repentance. He desires reconciliation, and he desires it that he might call the person he is writing to friend like he calls Titus friend, like he calls Timothy friend, like he called all of those who were closest to him friend. Okay? All right. With that, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.